Good to have you here today. We're uh, in Revelation chapter 11. I'm sorry, 13. We've been in Revelation. I got lost where I was. We're, last week we are in chapter 12. And last week from chapter 12 I showed you a picture, and it's a picture of the ancient conflict between God and the devil. The devil appears in chapter 12 as a great red dragon, okay? That's basically the picture. And he's out to destroy the purpose of God and the people of God. He begins all the way back in the book of Genesis. We'll read a verse in just a minute from the book of Genesis. But the picture in chapter 12 is a woman is about to have a child who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what the dragon wants to do is to devour the child, to destroy the child, to keep God's purpose from going forward. And then when he can't destroy the child, we see that the work of Christ on the cross is so effective that basically the devil is cast out of heaven, so to speak, down to earth where he unleashes his wrath on the offspring of the woman. But when we get to the end of chapter 12, we're on the, we're on the edge of the future. When you turn to Revelation chapter 13, not that we haven't been in the future before, I'm just telling you we began a new chapter in 12 a new section in 12, and we started the story over from a different perspective. We're seeing this activity of God moving to the end, and it's from chapter 12 through chapter 14. We're going to see another layer of this open up, and today we see uh, we're going to begin in chapter 13. But before we do, I want to read Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Then I want to read Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, then I want to give you the title of the message for today. So Genesis 3:15. this is when the gospel was first preached in the Bible, the message of the Lord Jesus Christ who would come into the world, it was first preached to the devil. As God announced to the serpent what he would do, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and and her offspring, he shall bruise your head. That's what the Lord Jesus would do to the devil, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. And who are they? They are those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he, that is the dragon, stood on the sand of the sea. Now, the message that we're going to look at from chapter 13, the title of the message is the fury, or Satan's fury, in the last days. Now, chapter 12 informs us that this will happen. Chapter 13 tells us how it will happen. So, when chapter 12 ends, the dragon is standing on the shore of the sea and John is looking and he says, chapter 13, verse 1, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it, the dragon gave his power and his throne and his great authority. 
one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name was not, has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Now I want to deal with these ten verses under this heading, and that is the manifestation of Satan's fury in the last days. In other words, how is it going to show up? How will it happen? Well, the, the verses I just read point to a figure or a personage uh, that's identified in several different ways in the New Testament. In, the, in 1 John, this is the only place in the Bible we read this word, John calls him the Antichrist, the Antichrist. Now, this is in John chapter 2, verse 18, 1 John. He said, children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that Antichrist, that is, the Antichrist, is coming. But John says, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it's the last hour. In other words, down through history, there have been figures on the stage of history who foreshadowed this figure who will stand at the end of history as an enemy of God's people and God's purpose. We'll talk more about him in a minute. Now, Paul calls him the man of sin or the man of lawlessness, the same figure that in the book of Revelation is, that is identified as the beast. And this is what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning to read in the middle of verse 3 and verse 4. The man of lawlessness will be revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And then again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, in the middle of verse 9, the Bible says, His coming is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, with all the with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So here in the book of Revelation, this figure is called the beast. Uh, and he's called the beast because he's just like his master, the dragon. Uh, and his master is the serpent, Satan, and the devil. That's who the dragon is in the book of Revelation. Notice where he comes from. It says he rises out of the sea. Now we're a little uncertain about exactly what he means about the sea or what the sea represents in the book. We'll talk more about that later. Let's not worry about that now, but let's see really where he comes from. If you look in chapter 11, verse 7, the first mention of the beast in the book of Revelation, you will see that he actually rises up out of the bottomless pit. Remember in chapter 8, 
when, uh, I believe it's in chapter 8, when the, when, the, when the pit was opened, the angel of the bottomless pit opened it, and out of the bottomless pit came demons like swarms of locusts. Out of the pit also, out of the bottomless pit, where these demons and angels have been imprisoned for ages and ages and ages, the beast arises out of the bottomless pit. So notice the power he holds. Verse chapter 13, in the middle of verse 2, and to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and his great authority. A good way to picture this, if you'll remember, when Jesus was tempted, you remember when the devil was tempting Jesus, and you remember when he offered him that great opportunity, he said, look, if you'll just fall down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth. That was within the devil's authority to do that. And that's exactly what he does with this figure. You'll notice he gives him his power and his throne and great authority. What kind of power is it? Well, it's the power to deceive. Uh, you'll, you'll see that deceptive power comes from two sources. First, it's given to him by the dragon. And second, it's, it's a power, a deceptive power that's reinforced by God. Paul said the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all the wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And then in verse 11 he said, Therefore God, God sends on them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. So during the last days, men who've hardened their hearts against God will find their hearts hardened by God so that they become receptive to the powers of the beast. Simply put, they would not be saved, and so they will not be saved. The beast, by the way, is also in some strange way a parody or a mockery of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says he has a mortal wound that was healed, and so this, this phrasing in the, in the New Testament, in the Greek New Testament in particular, it uses exactly the same word that it uses when John said, I saw a lamb standing as if slain. That is exactly the phrase he uses in terms of the beast. He saw the beast standing as if slain. It was wounded to death and somehow brought back to life. And if this is so, it'll be part of the permissive sovereignty of God to allow that as part of the deception. Notice the extent of his following. Look at verses, chapter 13, middle of verse 3 and verse 4. It says, The whole earth marveled as they followed the beast, and they worshipped the dragon, for he had given the, his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? Verse 8, chapter 13, verse 8, And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. Finally, his authority will be a limited authority. You'll see the beast was, chapter, verse 5 of chapter 13, the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Remember last week we looked extensively at this expression, 1,260 days, 42 months, a time, a time, and a half times. And I told you that in the book of Revelation, 
This is always a time uh, that represents the wrath of the dragon, always days of difficulty for God's people, but always days when God, when God limits his power and takes care of his people. So let me go back to chapter 3 of Genesis and read verse 15, to chapter 12 of Revelation, read verse 17, and then we will go forward as we read the next verses. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Then chapter 12, verse 17, Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. The, 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 the beast, the dragon is is uh, rising out of the sea. The beast is rising out of the sea. And so what I want you to see now is the second part of this, and that is the focus of Satan's fury in the last days. His fury will be manifested through a personage called the beast or the antichrist or the man of sin. This is what the Bible is telling us. The Bible is preparing us for something that's coming. We don't know when it will come, although Paul gives us a little indication about that in 2 Thessalonians, but we know it is coming. But how's he going to, how's his, how's his activity, who will it be focused on? Well, the beast rises to focus Satan's fury on the rest of the woman's offspring. They are the people who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. That's exactly what the scripture says here. So how will his fury be displayed? Well, the Bible says here he will make war on the saints. Now, I have told you over and over in this book, this book tells us that God's people are sealed, always sealed, but they're not sealed from sorrow. They are not sealed from sickness. They are not sealed from suffering. They are not sealed from death. They are not even sealed from the wrath of the dragon. They are sealed from the wrath of God because the greatest danger in the book of Revelation is the wrath of God. And the greatest need is to be saved from the wrath of God. God's people in the last days will be those people who carry the message of the Messiah into the world. They will be those whose destiny it is to face the wrath of the dragon. They will be those who continue to trust God to protect them and to provide for them in days of difficulty. And they will be those who under no condition will bow to the dragon. I'm going to show you that here in this verse. Their names, by the way, are written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. That is eternal security. Now, our generation of Christians today knows very little about suffering, at least in America. We may know something about it in the future. I can't predict that with certainty, but I know that all over the world today there are groups of Christians facing suffering. And I know that has also been true in the in the past in the history of Christianity. One of those people was a man named Martin Luther. Martin Luther was born in 1483. Had it not been for the faith of Martin Luther and his courage to stand against the powers of his day, risking death, we would not be here today as Baptists. The Methodist Church would not be here as Methodists. That never would have happened. It happened because one man took a stand and risked his life 
to be who God wanted him to be, what God wanted him to be, say what God wanted him to say, even at the risk of his own life. In 1527, Martin Luther wrote a hymn that greatly encouraged God's people who were sharing this journey with him through difficulty. It was first written in German, later translated into English. I'm going to read that hymn for you and let you listen to his words and the commitment that are revealed in the words that were written in 1527. You may know the hymn, but not realize it was written so long ago. It starts out in this way. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? Were not the right man on our side the man of God's own choosing? Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. That word, above all earthly powers, no thanks to him abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. In the last days, the saints will be people like Martin Luther, who carry the message of the Messiah into the world, whose destiny it will be to face the wrath of the dragon, who must trust God to protect and provide for them and who will not bow to the dragon even if it means death. Now, why is all of this the case? It's because in the last days, the dragon through the dragon through his agent the beast will be will be permitted by God to make war on the saints, but according to verse 7, look at chapter 13 verse 7, not only to make war on them, but also to conquer them. Who are the saints? They are those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of the Lord Jesus. Down through history, these personages that prefigure the beast appear all through Scripture. We could go back to Pharaoh. Uh, one uh, perfect one is uh, Sennacherib, who was the king of Assyria during the days of Hezekiah. King uh, Sennacherib set siege on Jerusalem and sent his messenger uh, to Hezekiah to mock Hezekiah's faith, to ridicule his faith, and to tell Hezekiah, there's no need for you to trust in God. God can't help you. He's never delivered anyone 
uh, who was in this trouble before and he'll not be able to, to deliver you. And most likely you've heard those voices before in your own life and you're going to hear them again. But one day there's going to be a figure on this earth who echoes those voices and makes it seem to all the people who dwell on the earth that he's correct. He's going to usher, utter these insults against uh, God and against his people. And so the war that he fights against the saints will be meant to shake their faith and faithfulness. So to those who might find themselves living in the last days, this is what the Bible says. And how many times have you heard it in this book? Look at verse 9. He who has an ear to hear. Seven times already in this book that that challenge has been uttered. And the first seven times it was uttered to the church. And when you read it in verse 9, it's uttered to the church again. Look at what it says to the church. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. So far, we've been talking about a moment yet to come in the history of our world. But I think you would agree with me that we've never been at a moment of history that was more susceptible to such a season of deception. Now look at verse 11. Then I saw another beast, another beast, rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. These, work, these verses introduce us to the miracle worker who will win the world for Satan in the last days. Now the first question you might have is, what's the difference between the first beast and the second beast? Well, the first beast has a supernatural origin. Uh, he's the incarnation of Satan. As Jesus Christ was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, uh, Satan, uh, the, the beast will be the fullness, the incarnation of Satan bodily. He will be the darkest evil personage ever to walk on the earth. There are others who foreshadowed him, but he's the deepest and darkest and most deceptive of all. And this second beast is a human agent with demonic power who works under the authority of the beast just like the disciples worked under the authority of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to give you power and you'll be able to cast out demons. You'll be able to do all these other things. And so this, this other beast will be given these extraordinary powers of deception. Today we hear about influencers on social media who have millions of followers. Well, this second beast will be able to influence the entire world through his miracles and uh, they're unusual, and they will be real, and they will be deceptive. And he will demand worship for the beast, and the second beast will be wildly successful. He'll even make an image and make the Im image speak, 
and deceive people, and people will need to bow to the image uh, because they, they're, they're worshiping the beast and they're worshiping the dragon. Now, that's, I know, all foreign to you. You say, oh, we, don't, we don't have anything like that going on today. But John had stuff going on like that in his day because the emperor of Rome had images set up all over the Roman Empire where, where people were brought to the image and they were demanded to take a pinch of incense and, and burn it and say before that image, Caesar is Lord or else be killed. Christians would not say Caesar is Lord. And so in John's day, Christians were losing their life because they refused to bow to the image. They refused to bend their knee to the emperor. Instead, they would say, Christ is Lord. They realized in the day that they were living that it would, bowing to that image would be bowing to the dragon, bowing to Satan, and they refused to bow. And as a result, they lost their life. So this miracle worker, empowered by the devil himself, will, will succeed at winning the world for Christ in the last days. Verse 16 and it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slaved, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Finally, we need to consider this last, these last verses quickly. This is the mark that protects from Satan's fury in the last days. That's what this mark is about. It protects you from Satan's fury. You're protected from Satan's fury by receiving this mark. Please don't misunderstand. This mark is not about buying and selling. Yes, no one will be able to buy or sell without it. But you will not receive this mark incidentally or accidentally. You will receive this mark when you bow to the dragon and when you worship the dragon, when you worship the beast and when you worship the devil, you will receive this mark by doing so. You will be marked as belonging to the dragon belonging to the devil, belonging to the beast, belonging to those who follow him. You will be a follower of the Antichrist. You will be a follower of the man of sin, the man of lawlessness. You will be a follower of the beast. You will be a follower, a devoted disciple of the devil. Or either you will be marked as belonging to God. Now, in the last days, people will either be marked as belonging to God or marked as belonging to the devil. But if you're a believer, you're not going to receive this mark and you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about receiving it. You say, why? How do you know that? Because you will die first. Look at verse 15. He causes, are you looking at it, the verse? I'm not saying this, the Bible's saying it. He causes all who will not Worship the beast to be slain. We get all talked about, when you hear the mark of the beast, you hear people talking about, oh, we won't be able to buy or sell, you won't be able to do this or that. That's not the point of this. Yes, you won't be able to do that. But the whole point of it is, by receiving it, you've submitted yourself to the discipleship of the devil. You belong to him. Now, why would God allow that? 
Well, the Bible says he allows it for 42 months or 1,260 days or a time, a times and a half time or simply put, three and a half years. It's a time when the destiny of God's people will be to face the wrath of the dragon. They will carry the message of the Messiah into the world. They, they will have to depend on God for, to protect and provide. And God will allow the beast to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Well, what about this number of his name, 666? Well, we could go into long explanations of what it might be, but nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody has any way of knowing. You say, well, we might know in that day. We might know in that day, but today we don't know. Just know this. This is the number of the deep of the personage who will be the deepest and darkest evil personage that the world has ever known. So in the last days, there are going to be two groups of people. But that's not so much different than today. There are those who either belong to God and are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Or they belong to the devil. And mostly those marks are on our heart right now. But in the future, they may be somewhere else. But today, you need to determine who you belong to. Are you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you answered the call that he sent to, to your heart? And every day, do you bow your knee in obedience to him? Or are there days when you're tempted to give your allegiance to the devil? Be very careful. The days ahead are going to be very difficult. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who, who died in a German prison camp, at the end of, right at the end of World War II, said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Let's pray.